I'd like to say good evening to the class. My name is Lauren Lewis, and I will be your moderator for this evening's lecture. Welcome to another lecture given by the members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity till this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in the year 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The President, Dr. Edward Yule. The Vice President, Dr. Ronald Atkins. And the Superintendent, Dr. Jarrell Lewis. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and are not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language had any letters or characters in their alphabet that have produced the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus, and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Heavenly Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit and in this state he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source substance, limits, and bounds of everything. 
We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. We, he merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form, right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being. That is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plain as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time that he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our primary constitutional objectives and or aims are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Six, to learn 
know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons. Operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh, from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword, peace, slogan, speak the truth. Once again, I'd like to say good evening to the class and welcome everyone out. And we hope you sincerely enjoy the lecture. At this time, we'd like to have a prayer given to us by the Dean of the Muskegon class, Dr. James Dye, and scripture lesson, Matthews, the 24th chapter, read by Dr. April Lewis. Dr. Dye? Good evening. Good evening. Grace and mercy be unto you. Let us offer up our hearts and mind for a prayer to our Heavenly Father, Yahweh. Yahweh, we come to you humbly in your son's name, Yahshua the Messiah, and hope that you give us a more perfect understanding of you, your pattern, your plan of salvation as you operate through your dispensation and ages. We hope that you guide us through all spiritual knowledge that we might see you as you really are and actually exist. These blessings and all blessings we ask in your son's name, Yahshua. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dr. Lewis. Hallelujah. Good evening, class. This evening's scripture lesson will, will be Matthew, the 24th chapter, and I'll be reading out of the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, and that's revised by A.B. Trainer of the Scripture Research Association. That's Matthew 24. And Yahshua went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Yahshua said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? And Yahshua answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear, hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the sorrows. 
Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because apostasy shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. But he that shall endureth until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days be shortened, there shall be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is the Messiah, or there, Believe it not, for there shall rise, arise false messiahs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders and so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not, excuse me, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For whithersoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, ye know the summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, that generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. 
But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days they were, um, excuse me, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving up marriages until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other one left. Two grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other one left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your king doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known and what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master may rule over his household, to give them bread and due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his master, when he cometh, shall find doing so. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my master delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the master of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That was Matthew, the 24th chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Dye, for the prayer and Dr. Lewis for the scripture lesson. Once again, I'd like to thank you all for joining us this evening and say welcome to all of our visiting brethren and visitors. Uh, tonight is um, Science, Science Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> I literally had a I know. In my brain. <laughs> Science Thursday, excuse me. Um, chapter six, um, we're going to be covering eschatology in science. Um, in the book, Image of the Creator by Dr. Lejeune Gill. I would like to turn it over to our host, Dr. Felicia Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. And thank you everyone for the script, the prayer and the scripture. Um, so it's been a while for me. Um, Yahweh allowed me to take a break because um, this is a lot of work, but I am so very grateful to be able to continue with this endeavor. Um, as most of you know that have uh, been here before, Science Image of the Creator, The Rising Sun is a uh, pamphlet or kind of like a study book that was put together by the late Dr. Lejeune Gill and some people on a committee that she had. And what this uh, pamphlet entails is different things in, in the world, all kinds of um, different ologies or sciences. And then she breaks down, they break down how it goes by the pattern. So as you'll see here, 
she has all of these different um, ologies or, or, or subjects and how they break and how they go by the pattern. We even have politics in here. That'll be interesting when we get to that. So the whole purpose of this uh, Science Thursday, which we have on the first Thursday of the month, is to cover this pamphlet. And then after this one is done, there is another pamphlet um, that it also speaks to science by the pattern. So as uh, our moderator said, we're going to go through eschatology, and that's on uh, that's in chapter six of this booklet, which is page 57. And as you can see here, that's one of the items that are around this tabernacle. And when you look up the word, I'm sorry, eschatology in the dictionary in the Merriam-Webster, it says it's a branch of theology concerned with the final events in the history of the world or of mankind. Our textbook, which was authored by our founder and Dean Emeritus, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, has on volume one, page 122, eschatology is defined as the last things such as death, judgment, immortality, the doctrine concerning these things. So this is what we're gonna go through today. As you can see, there are not many slides because Dr. Um, Dr. Lejeune Gill and her, um, the people that she had help her with this pretty much covered everything in here. So it was not much for me to look up, just a couple things of um, other religions and what how they feel about um, this whole eschatology thing. So without further ado, we are going to have uh, Dr. Dorian Lewis read through this script. Once again, we do have a digital copy of the pamphlet. We always try to put it out um, after we finish one of these classes. So we'll give this, uh, we'll send this out after class is over as well. So you can have a copy and follow along at your own pace. So Dr. Lewis, if you wouldn't mind reading. And you may be on mute, Dorian. I do that every time, sir. Yep. <laughs> Chapter six, eschatology. Eschatology is the branch of science that, de that deals with the final issues and result of redemption in human history. It is concerned with things of a final nature, including death, resurrection, immortality, and the end of the world. Okay, pause for one second. So if you look here, we have, this is, these are uh, portions of the 40 plate chart and eschatology is plate 38. Um, if you ever have a chance to listen, Dr. David Underwood really goes through these, um, these charts um, in great detail, especially the 40 plate chart. And he goes through and gives you all the points in this chart, but eschatology is plate 38. And as you can see, the next to it is plate 39, which is a new heaven and new earth. So what it's telling you is eschatology is that event prior to the new heaven and new earth state. And no, it's not this physical that you see here, which we're gonna read about um, in this section. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Lewis, you can continue. Jehovah's Witnesses concept of the Battle of Armageddon Mm -hmm. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that the Battle of Armageddon is supposed to take place at the end of this old earth. This great battle is God's war against the devil and his demons. Who is to fight this great battle? Jehovah's Witnesses tell us it will be Jesus Christ and the heavenly armies of powerful angels against the devil and his demons and all the nations of the earth who are not Jehovah's Witnesses. 
Armageddo or Armageddon, as mentioned in Revelation 16, 16, was an ancient battlefield in Palestine where all their decisive battles were fought. Jehovah's Witnesses realized that the battlefield of Armageddon itself is too small to fight a worldwide battle. Therefore, we are told that Armageddon has a symbolic meaning and that the actual battle is going to be worldwide on this old earth. Okay, pause right there. Uh, Dr. Uh, April Lewis, if you wouldn't mind giving, getting Revelation 16, 16. So uh, this first section um, is going through the Jehovah Witness concept of what the Battle of Armageddon is. And what we have to understand, and this is something that I Yahweh has made me to really appreciate uh, the longer I'm in this teaching, is that if it were not for this divine vision and revelation that was given to us through our founder, our concepts and opinions would be taking over us just like it is the rest of the world. We would have a physical carnal idea of what this whole thing is about, just like everyone else. But it's because of Yahweh's mercy and grace that he gave us his spirit. And now we see spiritual things. We see things in the spirit as they are. Remember, the spirit is the real. This physical is just a manifestation of that. So when you see things on here in these charts, these are for us to help explain and us to understand. But you know that Yahweh, all this happened in the spiritual realm and it happens in the spiritual realm before it's manifested in the physical. So just want to, to get that established and that understood if it was not for this divine vision, none of us would know any of this. So go ahead and read that scripture for me, Dr. Lewis. That's Revelation 16 and 16. Mm -hmm. And he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's what it was saying there. That's what that means. That's where Armageddon comes from. Okay, mm -hmm. Dr. Lewis, if you can continue. On the day of this great battle, Jehovah's Witnesses tell us that the wicked people and all the nations of the world will be destroyed in various ways. Their flesh shall rot while they are still on their feet. Their eyes shall rot in their sockets, and their tongues shall rot in their mouths. In reality, this is referring to the corruption of the flesh. Since the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Yahshua the Messiah, the flesh is dead. Satan corrupts through the flesh. The, the Jehovah's Witnesses say that on that great day, the devil will be bound or put in an abyss for 1,000 years. In reality, when the Bible refers to the devil being bound for 1,000 years, Revelations 20 and 1 through 3, John was having a vision and seeing how Judas, with the satanic spirit incarnated, hung himself and went to hell or the grave on that day. Pause. Um, Dr. Lewis, if you can get that scripture. So once again, even just reading this now, I get goosebumps because that is something I would have never put together. I would have thought the same thing that, oh, you know, they're going to take that old dragon with his red horns and his pitchfork and chain him up with chains that can't be broken. And he's going to be, you know, bound for a thousand years. And we're going to just have some fun here while he's bound just all physical, never realizing that that was a vision that John had, and he was speaking about Judas, who the devil, excuse me, who Satan incarnated in, and he 
he hung himself when he realized that he betrayed Yahshua or innocent blood. Okay, go ahead and read that, uh, Dr. Lewis, which is Revelations 21 through 3. That's Revelation 21 through 3, right? Mm, correct. Okay, that's Revelation 20 and 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on a dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and seal, I'm sorry, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose a little season. Okay. So once again, remember, we're talking spiritual things. So go ahead and uh, continue to read during, oops, switch like that. Okay. I'm going to start right at the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that on that great day, the devil will be bound or put in an abyss for 1,000 years. In reality, when the Bible refers to the devil being bound for 1,000 years, Revelations 21 through 3, John was having a vision and seeing how Judas, with the satanic spirit incarnated, hung himself and went to hell or the grave on that day. Mm -hmm. This was the devil being bound for 1,000 years. 2 Peter 3 and 8 states, But beloved, be not ignorant of this, this one thing, that one day with Yahweh is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. When Judas hung himself, he did not see Yahshua resurrect a quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. That is why Christianity says that Jesus is coming back again in the flesh. But we know that Yahshua is come in us now. First John 4. Okay, okay so I'm going to get First uh, Corinthians 15 and 45. And that states, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So that is the reference she uh, refers to up there that says he resurrected a quickening spirit. If he had not resurrected a quickening spirit, we could not have the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, everything, all of the Holy Spirit that there was, was contained in that specially prepared body. And in order for us to have that in us, he had to die and pour that out. And then you have, uh, what is it? First John four and what is that? One through three. And that states, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of Yahweh, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of Yahweh. Every spirit that confesses that Yahshua the Messiah is come in the flesh is of Yahweh. That's present tense. So even though that section was written some, you know, almost 2000 years ago, that is come is present perfect. That means it's present then, it's present now, it's valid now. So uh, third verse, and every spirit that confesses that not that Yahshua the Messiah is come in the flesh is not of Yahweh. And that and this is the spirit of the anti-Messiah. Wherefore, who was, excuse me, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. Ye are of Yahweh, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
So if the Holy Spirit is just a vital force upon you, as the Jehovah Witnesses say, that invalidates that last scripture, which it says, greater is he that is in you. See, so those are things that Yahweh allows us to see through this divine vision and revelation, and that the Holy Spirit was poured out after he put, after he took that body off and, and ascended to the Father. He gave us of that spirit so that greater thing that is in us can overcome these this great thing, which is this satanic spirit that is in the world. So go ahead and start reading uh, the next uh, paragraph, Dr. Lewis. In the 16th chapter of Revelation, John was referring to Egypt, which spiritually represents the world today and the plagues that are being poured out on mankind now. Mm -hmm. Revelation 16, 13 states, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the false prophet. Those three unclean spirits seen by John were one, religion, two, politics, and three, economics. They have truly corrupted this world. The Battle of Armageddon, as seen by John, is a spiritual war. The only one capable of fighting this battle is Yahshua, the Messiah, Holy Spirit. Okay, pause right there for one second. So she listed, they listed three things that have, uh, that have corrupted this world. And we know that this is the case. You have religion, you have politics, and then you have economics. All of this is corrupt. When you, the deeper you dig, the, the, the deeper the rabbit hole goes. And we see, all you have to do is turn on the news for a half hour. You don't need to even need to look at it that long. You can see how Yahweh is exposing all of this for what it really is. Remember, this is Satan's kingdom. This earth plane is his kingdom, it's his domain. So these things are going to reflect what he is about. He is a liar. So all of these have to reflect that. He is the anointed cherub that covered or a beast and a murderer. So all of these should reflect that. That's how you know this earth that the Jehovah Witnesses claim is not the kingdom. This is Satan's kingdom. Our kingdom is not of this world. This is Lucifer's kingdom. And all of, all of these, um, I don't know how I could put it. All of these represent that and they show forth that. That's why Yahweh's bringing all of this out for his sons. He's not doing it for the world. He's bringing it out for his sons so that we don't have any of these on our throne. We know that the only thing that should be on our throne, the only one is Yahshua the Messiah. So these things have to be exposed for what they really are. And that is a product of the satanic spirit. Okay, uh, keep reading, Dr. Lewis. I don't remember where you were, I'm sorry. Since the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. Since the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts second chapter, Yahshua is in us and is fighting this great battle now in us, <clears throat> excuse me, while we yet live, not later. Right. The 16th chapter of Revelation speaks of the judgment of this world, and that judgment is going on now. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus Christ received the Holy Spirit in the year 29 AD when he was baptized of John. This is another serious error. Because Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ, is the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 through 18, John 14, 26, and Colossians 1, 27. Therefore, how can he receive it? 
So, so pause right there. I mean, think about that. I didn't know that that's what they taught until I read this, that Jehovah didn't, or Jesus didn't receive the Holy Spirit until he was baptized by John. And I'm thinking, okay, so all of that time, from the time he was conceived to that time, he was just an ordinary man like me and you. He wasn't the creator walking around in his creation. That just blows my mind, but it just goes to show you that once again, they have this physical concept of everything. You know, they think that it was John, the one that, you know, kind of bestowed the Holy Spirit on him. No, no, it wasn't. And, you know, if they even think back to when um, Elizabeth and Mary saluted one another, and when that happened, Zachariah, who was the, um, I'm sorry, not Zachariah, but John the Baptist, who was in his mother's womb, he left. Why? Because that Holy Spirit was in Mary, and that Holy Spirit was then given to John. You know, Zachariah was his dad. I always get that mixed up. But it, you know, if once again, if it wasn't for this divine vision and revelation, we wouldn't have put those points together. We really would not have. Maybe I won't say we, I'll say me. I have to put it on me. I'm going to use that personal pronoun. I wouldn't have known it because I know I was very carnal in my thinking, but it's through the grace of Yahshua that I see the spiritual aspect of all of this. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it, as I know we all are. So I want, um, if Dr. Paula Brown will get for me John 16, 7 through 11, and I'll get John 5, 25 through 27. Okay, you said John 16 and 7? 16, 7 through 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not up on me of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Mm -hmm. So see, he said, if I don't go away, then you're not going to have pretty much hope and not understanding that what he was saying was he has to take off that body to release the Holy Spirit in him to give to us. But see, they think, okay, he has to go away because he's quote unquote preparing the kingdom. You know, he's maybe putting bricks of gold. I don't know what he's been doing all this time. He's building that mansion or mansions. I mean, it's taking him a long time to build it because he still ain't came back. But that's the way they think. Like he's gone off somewhere to build this mansion for us to live in. And until then, we're of our own devices. That's not what a loving husband does for his bride. A loving husband is there for his bride. A loving husband provides for his bride. Yahshua has never left us. He's always been there for us. And that scripture testifies to that. And then you have John 5, 25 through 27, which states, verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of Elohim and they that hear shall live. For as the father have life in himself, so hath he given to the son to have life in himself. So we heard his voice. When you were introduced to this gospel, when somebody walked up to you 
and said, do you know the creator's name is Yahweh? And that kind of sparked your interest. And then you came to a class and you sat down and you, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's something different. That, you, that is you hearing, that is you hearing that voice that he's talking about in John the 25th, I'm sorry, John the 5th chapter, 25th verse. You heard it and you, Yahweh gave you that spark to want to come back and to want to know. And then as a lot of people testify, 40 years later, even though they fought it, they're still here. Why? Because you heard that voice, you listened to the evidence and the witnesses and the truth and you accepted it. That's not the case now. We now look at it now. We're in, a, uh, in an election season. As you can see, people just spew lies just, just to, as soon as they wake up in the morning. It's just lies, 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 lies. No, no evidence is needed. You don't have to back it up by any way whatsoever. You just say what you want to say and people believe it. That's not how Yahshua operates. That's not how the Holy Spirit operates. But Yahshua has to give you, and I had to learn this, he has to give you the desire to even want to know the truth. I never knew that. That has to be placed within you. So that's another reason for us to be grateful because not everybody wants to know the truth. You know that talking to people out in the world, they don't care about evidence. They don't care about any of it. They want to believe what they want to believe and that's it. So it's Yahshua or the Holy Spirit in you that even has the desire to want to know the truth. And I think that is like absolutely beautiful because what it does, it takes the onus off of you. It's Yahshua that's doing it all. It, yeah, it's Yahshua that will make you love the truth. And it's a Yahshua that will make you believe a lie. So it's remember, there are two, two mysteries in operation, the mystery of right, righteousness and the mystery of iniquity. And it's Joshua that decides which one you're going to be. And if you're here and you keep coming back and you love hearing this gospel, you are already in the kingdom. So just, just believe that. Trust the process. It's a process. But just trust it. And Joshua will continue to bless you and, and the rest of us, for that matter of fact. Um, okay, we can go on. I don't want to get these. Uh, well, yeah, let's get. go ahead and get John 14, 16, um, Dr. Brown, if you don't mind. John 14 and 16 mm -hmm. through 18. Yes. And I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even mm -hmm. the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Mm -hmm. So it's said the spirit of truth. Once again, when he gives you that spirit of truth, you don't want lies. You, you get to a point where you want everybody to prove what they're saying. If someone tells you something, even if it's not directly to them, you go, I got to go look that up because that doesn't sound right to me. That's what Yahshua gives you. He gives you that, that earnest need to know what the truth is, no matter who's speaking. You want to look it up for yourself and really know what that truth is. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for these classes because it allows us to keep disseminating the truth versus the lies that are going out in the world and throughout the organization, just to be truthful about it. Okay, Dr. Lewis, you can go ahead and, and keep reading. I think we're on this paragraph. Yeah. According to Jehovah's Witnesses, the survivors of, of the battle would do the following. One, watch birds and worms eat the flesh from dead bodies. 
So she, pause right there. So just think about this now. Once again, this is physical. They're, they're just strictly carnal and physical. It's just sickening to, to a certain point. It really is. So just listen to what they believe is going to happen to the people that are going to um, stay around. There was a, a show called The Leftovers. Um, I don't know if it's still on. I only watched a couple episodes because I just can't watch series for some reason. But that's what it was about. It was about Arma, it was about um, the rapture. And, you know, people are walking down the street, maybe pushing a baby stroller. Next thing you know, the baby's gone. They're still there. Things like that. So these are the survivors or the leftovers. This is what they're going to see. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Lewis. All right, let me try that again. Okay. According to Jehovah's Witnesses, the survivors of the battle will do the following. One, watch birds and worms eat the flesh from the dead bodies. Two, in seven months, have the bones of the dead buried. And three, tear down all buildings, ruins, etc. And four, plant a worldwide garden. Okay, pause. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know if it's worth even saying, but just think about that. So in seven months, well, I don't know why they picked seven, have the bones of the dead buried. That's a lot of dead people you're going to try and bury. Um, that's a lot of buildings you got to tear down because this is all over the world. Remember their theory, this is happening around the world, no matter where you are, they got to tear all these buildings down and then nothing but a garden. I don't know about housing or any of that. Maybe it's not going to be a winter. I don't know, but it's, it's not even worth trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Lewis. There supposedly will be three classes of survivors that will make up this new heaven and earth. Uh the spiritual host of 144,000 in Uh heaven with Christ, Uh the other sheep of Jesus Uh Christ, and the earthly princes. The spiritual host of 144,000 in heaven with Christ. This group will be Christ's little flock. They will make up the spiritual nation. In reality, the 144,000 spoken of by John the Revelator in Revelations 14 and 1 through 3 are Israelites as seen by him in a vision. Mm-hmm. After being in bondage in Egypt for 430 years, Exodus first and second chapters, Yahweh brought them out into the wilderness of Sinai through Moses. There were 603, 550 fighting, fighting men excuse me, 603,550 fighting men, not counting women, children, and elders. Okay, pause right there. So what this is uh, speaking to, I thought I had that on here, I don't. What this is speaking to is, remember, John the Revelator was banished to the Isle of Patmos. And when he was banished, Yahweh uh, gave him a, a divine vision and revelation as well. And his vision, he saw the creation of heaven and earth from back to forward. So from the end to the beginning. But what he was doing was confirming Moses's vision because Moses's vision was from the beginning to the end. So when John is seeing this, when John mentions this 144,000 that uh, Dr. Brown is going to read for me in Revelation 14, one through three, he's seeing the children of Israel in the wilderness. He's not seeing this so-called uh, earthly princes or the chosen elect that the um, Jehovah Witnesses are speaking to, because once again, they're still thinking physical. But John is just confirming 
Yah, um, Moses's vision, because remember, Yahweh does not do anything in singular. He does everything in multiple so that it can be confirmed in the, in the, in the, uh, what is it? Uh, in the eye of two or three witnesses, let the truth be established. So, you know, you don't go to court with just one witness. If you're going up for a murder trial, you need more than that so that there can be without a shadow of a doubt that you're innocent and you're set free. So that's what Yahweh did. He had John have a vision from end to beginning. He had Moses have a vision from beginning to end. And they confirmed one another. They did not um, conflict one another at all. But the world does not know that. And we would not have known this either if it weren't for this divine vision of revelation that, doc, that Yahweh gave to Dr. Kenley. Okay, Dr. Brown, go ahead and read Revelation 14, 1 through 3, please. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having Pause his one second. Pause one second. He said, a lamb. Who is the lamb? Yahshua the Messiah. And they go, well, Yahshua wasn't back there with the children of Israel. I beg your pardon. Yes, he was. And, you know, you come back to this class, and we'll show you that he was. Christian world doesn't believe that he was back there. He was back there. He wasn't as the Messiah back there but he was back there as Joshua. So go ahead and start that over for me, Dr. Brown. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion mm -hmm. and with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. And they heard a voice from heaven as a voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps and they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song. Excuse me. No man could learn that song, but the 144,000, which were redeemed from the earth. Mm -hmm. And we're going to we're going to go and talk about who those 144,000 is. But if you talk about the the four beasts that were, that was the insignias or the, um, yes, the insignias that were around that uh, tabernacle pattern in the wilderness. There were four. There was a ox. There was a, um, let's see, there was an, I'm sorry, there was an eagle. There was a lion. There was an ox and there was a man and that is Elohim. But that is the four beasts that were around the tabernacle. So once again, when people read revelations and they hear beast, they think, oh, you know, maybe some crazy Halloween kind of thing, not realizing that that is speaking to those those um, images that were on those flags. And those flags represented a different tribe of the tribes of Israel. There were four sorry, three tribes under each banner. So you had three times four is 12 and they were around that tabernacle. But that's another story you have to come back. But it's so much. Yahweh has shown us so much and he continues to show us so much. And not only is he continue to show us things, what Yahweh is doing is clarifying things. Things that we had wrong from the time we stepped in or for a while, Yahweh is clearing those up. And I am so grateful for that because he seems to be doing that more and more and more. So that when the end does come, we will have those things clear in our mind. But once again, Yahweh is eternal. So there won't be an end to what we learn. He's just clarifying what we already know and getting us clear on those things. Okay, uh, go ahead and read, Dorian. I don't know where you left off. Dr. Hamilton? Yes, yes ma'am. Um, the Holy Name Bible, uh, Revelation 
the 14th chapter reads a little uh, different in the first okay. verse. Okay, go ahead. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred, excuse me, a hundred forty and four thousand, having his name and mm -hmm. his father's name written in their foreheads. Okay, beautiful. Yes, beautiful. Thank you, Dr. Brown. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start the, the last paragraph. I'm going to start that over. Okay. Okay. The spiritual host of 144,000 in heaven with Christ. This group will be Christ's little flock. They will make up the spiritual nation. In reality, the 144,000 spoken of by John the Revelator in Revelations 14, 1 through 3, are Israelites as seen by him in a vision. After being in bondage in Egypt for 430 years, Yahweh brought them out into the wilderness of Sinai through Moses. Mm -hmm. There were 603,550 fighting men, not counting women, children, and elders. So over a million people came up out of there. Go ahead. Despite the perils of deadly serpents, wild beasts, manifold hazards and disobedience to Yahweh which resulted in death excuse me which resulted in death to all of them before Caleb Eleazar Phineas and Joshua Yahweh continued to multiply them for 40 years after that short period of time notwithstanding the high death rate 144,000 were born in the wilderness typical Typical of the new birth. See John 3 and 3 through 6. That's and a whole nother lecture. If you come back, that that new birth and what that points to, that is absolutely beautiful. But you got to come back. Go ahead, Dr. Lewis. Mm -hmm. And crossed over into Canaan land under the leadership of Joshua. Joshua. Mm -hmm. Joshua didn't number them before or after they crossed the River Jordan. Therefore, no one knew how many of them were born in the wilderness to inherit Canaan land until John, in his vision, heard the number of them called. This was the 144,000, which consisted of 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. See Revelation mm -hmm. 7 and 4. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and get that uh, scripture for me, Dr. Um, Dr. Brown. So what they're saying is that until John had that vision, no one knew how many were born out there. It was John's vision that Yahweh gave him where he revealed that number. And that number represented 12,000 from each of those tribes. They were born out there in the wilderness or what it, he said was the new birth. Those that were not born under bondage like their uh, parents. They were not born under that bondage of the Egyptians. They did not see all the idols that the Egyptians worship. You you can take a little bit of that to say, you know, you have some people that were born in class. They didn't know about church and everything else, but guess what? They still had to come to um, an, a, a true understanding of Yahweh as he really is and actually exists, because even those born out in the wilderness develop their own concepts and opinions, just like we do as we're growing up. We're part of this world. We get indoctrinated with so many things. And Yahweh has to clear those up for us. So you may have been born in the class, but you still have to go through that, I'll say, a cleansing process that Yahweh takes you through to remove all that junk that you've been indoctrinated with. Okay, go ahead, uh, Dr. Brown. I think you got Revelation. Mm -hmm. Revelation mm -hmm. 7 and 4. 
And, mm -hmm. I, and I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed and hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was the first time that number was known when John had that vision. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Um, Lewis. So now we're going to talk about the other sheep here. And that's here. Um, I should have made a space in here. This is the other sheep. Go ahead. The other sheep of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Mm hmm Jehovah's Witnesses teach that this class will be the sheep-like people. They are sometimes referred to as the one flock or other sheep. They are Jehovah's Witnesses. They are Jehovah, excuse me, they are Jehovah's Witnesses who are not chosen to be a part of the 144,000 of the spiritual body. Therefore, this class will make their home here on earth. So, you know, they 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 couldn't uh, they weren't good enough to go with the 144, but they were a little bit above the earthly princes. So they get kind of like an intermediate state. That's why you see them in the most I'm sorry, the unholy place, which is uh, here. So this is the un un this is the um, I forgot how we say it with the court roundabout, but this is the unholy place and the most unholy place. OK, keep go ahead and read Dr. Lewis. Mm -hmm. The earthly princes, uh -huh. they will be visible rulers, Christ's helpers on earth. These will be such men as Abraham, Moses, David, and others whose faith is mentioned in Hebrews chapter. Now, 11. It, uh, it blows my mind that they think people like Moses, he would be an earthly prince. He wouldn't he wouldn't be one of the one hundred forty four. Oh wow! Okay, that's deep. I mean, if if what is it? Yeah, I would say Moses was meek above all men, so he didn't get to be one in one hundred and forty-four. He has to stay here. It's just mind-boggling. Go ahead, Doctor Lewis. This concept of eternal life is absolutely impossible. First mm -hmm. Corinthians fifteen and fifty states: Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Concerning the earthly princes, Romans 2 and 11 states, for there is no respect of persons with Yahweh. Now that right there is what allowed me to not fear anybody. When I truly understood that Yahweh was in control of everything and he didn't respect a person for their so-called title, that helped to give me confidence in moving forward in this gospel and being able to um, give it to anyone who Yahweh allows me to speak to it for, because Yahweh has no uh, desire for this flesh. He even says it, you know, all this stuff is just as dung to him. There's no desire to his flesh. So for Jehovah Witnesses to say there's going to be 144,000, and they're not the only ones, we're not just picking on them, but this is uh, what this section is about. But for people to think that they themselves, their physical bodies, they're the people they are, will have preeminence over someone else in heaven as a physical body is amazing. But remember, that's what um, the Pope did when he so-called put Mary's soul, body, and spirit in heaven. You know, he let her stay out in the grave for years and years and years, and, and then he put her body in heaven. When Yahweh said flesh and blood does not inherit heaven. So it's just, you know, when you think about how far Yahweh has pulled us out of this delusional state that the earth is in, and now that we see clearly the things that this is about, 
it's amazing. It humbles you and it gives you a sense of gratitude that can't be measured to say, thank you, Yahweh, for pulling me out of this, this great corruption that this world is, that this world is basically. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead and read Dr. Lewis. It is also taught, mm -hmm. it is also taught by Jehovah's Witnesses that after the battle of Armageddon, Christ will rule this kingdom on earth from heaven for 1000 years. At the end of this 1,000 year period, Jesus Christ will turn rule back over to Jehovah God. Mm -hmm. Jehovah will then test the people on earth one last time by letting Satan loose for a short period to tempt the survivors of the battle. How cruel is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, that seems so cruel to me. You survived, you know, the so-called rapture. You get to stay on earth for a thousand years, but in that thousand years, you got to deal with Satan again. And it'll probably be more intense because there's less people. So, I, you know, it's just amazing. The concept of man, man's ima imagination, if left to its own devices, just, just crazy. So go, right. go ahead, Dr. Uh, Lewis. All right. By this final test, Jehovah will be sure once and for all that all the wicked are destroyed. Okay, I'm sorry, stop. <laughs> so you have a God that you believe in that will bring about the end of the world, save some people, but for a short period of time so they can be tested. And then at the end of that short period of time, he's sure now that all the wicked are destroyed. Wouldn't he know that beforehand if he's so almighty? Mm -hmm. What what does he need to do a final test for what? See, they have Yahweh having no power. They have Yahweh being as a man. I would need to retest somebody to be sure. Yahweh don't need to do that. But once again, because their concept is carnal, that's the way they think that, oh, Jehovah, just like he didn't know Eve was going to eat that, you know, touch that fruit. He don't know if all the evil ones were destroyed. So he got to test them and do it again. That that sounds like a God I wouldn't want to worship because that means he don't, I'm probably can do just as good as he can. So go ahead, Dr. Lewis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Uh, he will then destroy Satan and the people who follow him during this period. Uh -huh. Everyone who lives through this test will be considered worthy of life and will have his name written in the book of life. These will be declared righteous by Jehovah God and will be given the right to a perfect life on a paradise earth forever. And so that's that, um, if you look, let me see, I think it's this one here. So, you know, there's a, um, I can't remember the pamphlet I have it because uh, my aunt was a Jehovah Witness and she used to make us go to the hall with her. She spent the night at her house, but there is a pamphlet that they have where they show you know, all the people laying down and the kids playing with the lions and all this. And they really believe this is a physical earth that where this is going to happen. So that's what they, that's what that last uh, sentence was speaking to at the, let's see. Yeah. That's what that last sentence was speaking to. They'll be given the right to a perfect life on a paradise earth forever. So it's just going to be all, you know, unicorns and rainbows. That's not what Yahweh said. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead, Dr. Lewis. It is necessary to know how to read the Bible, to know who is being spoken to, why, where, when, and what is being said. 
There are three physical ages as shown below. Okay, pause for one second. There is a um, uh, um, an analogy that our dean used to use and I thought it was funny. He says, you know, if you don't know who, what, where, when, and how, then you really don't know the story. So he says, you know, he will, he said, just imagine you, he's going into the store every day. You're a clerk in the store. He's going in the store every day. And every day he buys a bag of peanuts. Every day he buys a bag of peanuts. One day the clerk says, oh, you really love peanuts. And then, you know, he says, no, I hate peanuts. He said, well, why do you come in here every day? He said, I buy them from my wife. See, if you didn't know, if you didn't ask him, mm-hmm. who, who are you buying the peanuts for? Why are you buying the peanuts? You wouldn't know. You could make up anything. You could think, oh, he must have a a pet elephant at home, anything. But you have to know the who, what, where, when, and why when you're reading that Bible, because then that gives you the correct context. You just take your Bible, throw it up and flap and it opens and it, you know, it lands on a page and you start reading and thinking it's talking about you. You have no clue what that's about and that's where the world has made its mistake besides the fact that Yahweh didn't give them a divine vision and revelation but they think that okay I can just pick up any scripture I want and that scripture I can apply it to me or whoever not realizing that the law and the prophets were speaking to Yahshua the Messiah the one to come and then the new so-called new testament was him fulfilling those things or talking about him fulfilling so it's just, I like I said, I'm in off. I, sometimes words just escape how um, how amazing this is and what Yahweh has given us that he has not given to the world. Okay, um, so now what we have here, as you can see in the pamphlet, we have these illustrations of the three physical ages within uh, the dispensations of time of Yahweh. So that's why you see the um, on here our dispensations and ages chart. You just see these three. So we're going to uh, go ahead and go through this. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Lewis. The antediluvian age was the age before the flood. Mm-hmm. The post-diluvian age was the age after the flood, and it lasted until the death of Yahshua the Messiah on the cross. Hebrews 9 6. We are now living in the present kingdom age under the dispensation of grace. This age was ushered in by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Colossians 33. Go ahead, Dr. Lewis. I'm sorry. Colossians 1 and 12 through 13 states giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Okay, pause right there. So those those words he used, who hath, that's past tense, already happened, hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated, past tense, us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we talk about this all the time. You are already in the kingdom. If Yahweh allowed you to first of all, love the truth when you heard his name is Yahweh and you didn't run away from it. Or if you did and you just came down here to save somebody from what you thought was a cult and Yahweh allowed you to remain because the evidence, you couldn't do anything with the proof and the evidence. And then you understand that this was due to a divine vision and revelation, you're in the kingdom. You've been translated into that kingdom and that's without seeing death. We know we have brethren that have passed on. They haven't died. They've just translated out of the flesh. That true death, that second death, 
that's what you don't want to see. That's what the world is going to see for not abiding in the truth. So here we have, it says here that Yahshua the Messiah poured his Holy Spirit out. And when he did that, that ushered us into the spiritual kingdom on earth or the present kingdom age. It's two, it's two, um, two definitions there. It's the present, which means it's right now. And it's a present, it's a gift to you. The gift of the Holy Spirit ushered you into this age that we're in now. So right now we're in the spirit. Our minds think spiritually, even though we're in these physical bodies. And what we're waiting for is the revelation, the universal revelation of Yahshua the Messiah, because we've already seen him. So he's been revealed to us already. But it's the universal revelation of Yahshua the Messiah that we're waiting on, because that is when we will all either collectively or individually move over to that new earth state. Okay, go ahead, uh, Dr. Lewis. When Yahshua told his, his disciples to pray for the kingdom to come on earth, Matthew mm -hmm. 6, 9 through 10, this was in the post-Diluvian age, mm -hmm. under the dispensation of the Mosaic law. Yahshua the Messiah stated in John 18 and 36, my kingdom is not of this world. Okay, pause. So remember, we talked about whose kingdom this is. This world is Satan's kingdom. Yeah. Excuse me. This world is Satan's kingdom. So Yahshua just told you his kingdom is not of this world. So you have these religious fanatics now talking about, once again, I just um, don't understand what kind of God they worship, helping God to cleanse this world of the evil doers of whatever they think evil is, you know, wearing a dress or, you know, wearing pants. I don't know. Um, they have to help their God to cleanse these evil ones. This is Satan's kingdom. We don't want to be here. We don't care about it being cleansed. We know there's something better for us in the spiritual aspect that's much better than this earth state. This, remember, this is the lowest common denominator. This physical is not the end all to be all. It's, mm -hmm. it's that way for so many people because Yahweh has not given them eyes to see that there is better. What is that phrase? If you know better, you do better. So if someone has never seen that they can live outside of poverty, then they don't think there's anything outside of poverty. So people don't think that there's anything better than this physical because they haven't been shown by Yahweh. They haven't been given those spiritual eyes to see. And you think about all the things that's happening in the world. And I um, got a chance to listen to a class. I cannot remember what class it was from, but they all mushed together. And it was so beautiful. And it's, you know, it's Yahweh that gives us these pearls. She talked about climate change. But she didn't talk about it in the way that we think of. She said, hasn't the climate changed? She said, hasn't people's attitudes changed? She said, isn't that a climate change? I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, we talk about how we're moving backwards in time. You know, women's rights being taken away. Now they're talking about uh, taking away all women's rights, even the right to vote and you know, eventually it'll go back to, you know, taking away rights of uh, anybody that's not white. It's that climate has changed. People, everybody's so upset. Everybody's on 10. Everybody's on the edge. Things are happening that's crazy. The climate has changed. But that's in, that has to do with Yahweh bringing this thing out. This one here, he knows his time is short. And when someone like this knows their time is short, they're going to cause all the 
hell, excuse my French, all the hell that they can muster up before they go out of here. Remember, you have people that says, you know, if I got to die, I'm taking as many people as I can with me. That's Satan's whole M.O. Let me see how many souls I can take with me before my time is up. So that's why you see and feel that climate change from a, a physical a standpoint of the earth's climate and the climate of the people that are on it. People just don't care. They don't care about other people. They don't care about their own kids. Nothing. Everything is just rolled. Everybody's going crazy. So that is what Yahweh is showing us that we have to remain faithful to him and understand that. Remember, I think as Dr. Brazil always says, none of this is out of Yahweh's control. Yahweh knows what's going on. We get fearful sometimes because we don't know. But the more you read the Old Testament, the more you will see, oh, this happened before. And I, I, I feel right. so bad that I didn't find that scripture where, like I said, I was listening to the Bible. Sometimes you can listen to it while you're cleaning or whatever. And it talked about these two women and both of them had a son and one woman because it was a famine. It was more than one famine. If you ever read your Bible, I think there were like four or five. I can't remember. But there was a famine. And so one lady says to the other lady, let's boil and eat your son today. And then tomorrow we'll boil and eat my son. So the first woman said, okay, sure. So they boil her son and eat him. Now, this is, don't think this is a story that's made up. This is real. They boiled and ate her son. The next day comes, the woman says, okay, now it's our turn to boil and eat your son. Um, she couldn't find her son. She hid her son. I brought that up to say all these atrocities that we're seeing with the things that people are doing to children and to each other, that's happened before. This is nothing new. It's, it's new for us in our lifetime. But if you read your Bible, one of the greatest adventure and horror and all kind of books of all time, you will see that all of this has happened before. So as it says, such in the days of Noah were, so it shall be in the coming of the Son of Man. This thing is going to get crazier and crazier. But if you read your Bible, you'll understand it's just a repeat of history. That's all it is. Okay. Um, I think we're on the next page, right, Dr. Lewis? Right. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Right. Referring to a get, good dictionary, one will find that the words age and world have the same meaning. Uh -huh. In John 1836, Yahshua was stating that his kingdom was not of that age post-Diluvian. John 14.26 states that the Comforter is the Holy Spirit. This is Yahshua. See John 14.18. First John 4 and 2 tells us that Yahshua, the Comforter, is come in us now. First John 5 and 19 and 20. And we know that we are of Yahweh and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of Yahweh is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son, Yahshua, the Messiah. This is the true Elohim and eternal life. Mm -hmm. So even there, it says the whole world lieth in wickedness. And I think prior to maybe the last couple of years, some people would say, well, not really, not the whole world. But as we get closer, you're starting to say, yeah, the whole world is kind of off. And, you know, you see, you're starting to see that more and more. Yes, the whole world is lying in weakness. There is no truth nowhere but in this gospel. Keep reading, Dr. Lewis. 
our eternal life is spiritual, not physical, mm -hmm. and is in Yahshua the Messiah. See first right. John 5 and 11. Let's get that really quick before you go on. Um, so remember our eternal life. So we're not going to live in these physical bodies eternally. That's what the Jehovah Witnesses believe that, you know, they'll have that perfect peace on earth in the physical bodies. Well, uh, what if I don't want to be the 53-year-old Felicia? What if I want to be the 21-year-old Felicia? Do I have a choice? You know, I'm like, uh, who, you know, oh, I'm going to see my grandmother. What if my grandmother be a grandmother when she's doing in, in eternal life? Maybe she still want to be five or something. It's just, it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. But once again, if it was not for this divine vision of revelation, I would be caught up in that too, because I did think that, oh, you know, I'll get to see my grandmother or whoever. I thought that. No, that's not the case because these physical bodies are going to be dissolved. Go ahead and read that, Dr. Um, Brown. First John 5 and 11. Mm -hmm. And this is the record that Yahweh has given to us eternal life. Mm -hmm. And this life is in his son. That's right. That's where our eternal life is. It's in Yahshua. It's not on this physical earth and this big old garden that somebody's going to plant. Okay, go ahead and continue reading, Dr. Lewis. Our eternal life is spiritual, not physical, and is mm -hmm. in Yahshua, the Messiah. That's right. Luke 17, 20 and 21. Mm -hmm. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of Yahweh should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of Yahweh cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of Yahweh is within you. Yahweh's mm -hmm. kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which is Yahshua the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So Yahshua himself is righteousness. Yahshua himself is peace. Yahshua himself is joy. Remember in John 14 chapter, Yahweh, Yahshua said, peace I leave with you, peace I leave with you, but my peace I give unto you. What was his peace? The Holy Spirit is his peace. We have peace knowing that he is in us and what we have to look forward to. Go ahead, Dr. Lewis. Jehovah's Witnesses have mistaken John's vision, vision in the book of Revelation as something that will come to pass in the future. What John saw was spiritual, and it was a confirmation of Moses' vision atop Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. The Battle of Armageddon is going on right now. Mm -hmm. This time in which we live is the short period of time that the devil has been given to corrupt man and deprive him of his, in his inheritance. Okay, pause right there. So if you think about that statement, it makes sense. Then we just said the world has gone crazy. Things that are being done uh, defy imagination, but they're being done. And they seem to be getting worse and worse. That would make sense then that this is Satan's kingdom because in his kingdom, there's nothing but chaos and murder and death and lies and deceitfulness. That would make sense that this is Satan's kingdom and that this is not a place we want to stay. So now it, it starts to go, okay, okay, okay. It, it wouldn't be a physical thing. Why would you want to live in a place that has so much corruption and death and evil? So now you get to see, okay, yeah, this is not, this is not Yahshua's kingdom. It's not something he's going to quote unquote clean up. He doesn't want to, 
why would you want this? You know, whatever, just get rid of it and start something else. Okay, go go ahead. I think this is where you are. Satan is causing the world to say that Yahshua is coming soon when mm-hmm. he is actually here now. Mm-hmm. First John 4 and 2. It is Yahshua in us who is fighting the battle of Armageddon now. Right, right. What we are actually waiting for is the instant revelation of Yahshua from heaven. Second Thessalonians 1 and 7. Grab that, Dr. Brown, before you continue, Dr. Lewis. So that's what we're waiting for. We, Yahshua in us is doing the fighting because remember, we are no match for the satanic spirit. If it not be for Yahshua in you, you would succumb to all the uh, the wiles of the devil as well, just like the world is succumbing to. But it's Yahshua in you that's able to maintain and that's able to resist those temptations that the devil is going to put in front of you. Because remember, Satan wants the sons. He already has the world. So because he wants the sons, we're going to go through some crap. We're going to have to deal with some crap because Satan is after your soul. We are like the prize possession. Think of, you know, the most glorious prize you can get. I don't know. I can't even think of anything because it doesn't really matter to me. But think of something that you just like, oh, my gosh, if I could just get that. That's how Satan feels about the sons. I can get one of them sons. I got it. I got it. So you're going to go through some things because you are the focus. You are the target. He already has the world and you know he has the world because of the way they're acting, the things that they're doing. And then you ask them why they do that. I don't know. I don't know. They have no ability to resist that. Whereas Yahshua in us, He can do that. He's the one that resists. So no matter how much we go through, sometimes we get so down and out. I remember one time we were at John Grace and Dr. Lord Lewis said she she was so low, she looked up and saw bottom. I'm like, wow, that's low. You know, but you think about that. Sometimes we're going to get to that point. But when you look up, what you should see is Yahshua. Don't think that Yahshua is not there or he's not with you or that he's left you or you're not worthy or you're wretched or whatever. Don't don't think that. What that is, is Satan trying to get you to think like that. What you do is, okay, Yahshua, I'm in this state. I know it's not forever. What are you showing me? What is it that you want me to see while I'm in this state? Because there's always 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 that's something dr betty k he used to say all the time is always a resurrection Mm. always so when you get in that low state and you look up and you see bottom you close your eyes and you talk to yashua okay yashua i know this is not forever okay yashua i know this is just another trial i gotta go through while i'm in this flesh let me see you in all of this show me what it is you want me to see he'll bring you out of that Guess what? If you didn't learn from it, you're going to end up repeating it. And then how we used to do as parents, when we would teach our kid, we tell them, okay, you're going to listen to me. You're going to learn. That's what he used to say. You're going to learn. You keep repeating the same mistake over. Why? Because you haven't learned your lesson. That's what the satanic spirit is doing. And then what you end up doing, you develop calluses for a certain thing. Okay. You develop the callus to Lord God, Jesus Christ. Satanic spirit can't get you with that anymore. Okay, so let me come around to the back and figure out how I'm going to get you with something else or 
you know, uh, maybe you didn't like the way somebody looked at you. Ha ha, I got you. Now I'm going to have you focus on that instead of focusing on the gospel. It's always something. Satan knows your weakness is better than you are. So he's going to always be probing and prodding you to get and find your weak spot and to get in and to use that against you. So we know these things are going to happen. We know he's after the sons, but because we know that he is, Yahshua has armed us with his Holy Spirit, because remember, we don't, we're no match for the satanic spirit. He's armed us with that armor. And I love that story of the armor, you know, put on the whole armor of Yahshua the Messiah so that we are able to defend ourselves against this wicked and evil spirit. So remember, it's a process. We have to go through these things while we're in this flesh, but it's because Yahweh loves us that we keep coming out of it and we don't go off and go kill up a bunch of people like the people in the world are doing. Okay, uh, Dr. Brown, go ahead and get that scripture for me. Second Thessalonians 1 and 7. Mm -hmm. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Savior, Yahshua, shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Mm -hmm. And I used to read that and go, what do you mean rest with us? This is what that's referring to. When you are dealing with things, talk to Yahshua. When you are dealing with things, pick up a textbook. When you are dealing with things, read a transcript. When you are dealing with things, listen to one of those fireproof lectures. Right. What that does, when you start to focus on that, you stop focusing on that issue and then what Yahshua does is he reveals things to you and show you why you're going through that and how to get out of that, which is focusing on him. And then it's not that much of a problem anymore. It doesn't mean you're gonna, not going to go through things. Mm -hmm. It means that now you're able to deal with it without losing your mind. You're able to deal with it without being in such despair that you think, oh, my gosh, why did Yahweh forsake me? No. It should be why Yahweh loves me so much because he's chastising me. So think about when, when, you're, when you're dealing with those things, just say, okay, Yahweh, what is it? Show me, and I, I love this, is show me what to do and then show me how to do it. What he'll show you what to do is learn of me, how to do it. If you're not a good, strong reader, audio Bible. You're not a good, strong reader and you can't read the transcripts and listen to the fireproof lectures. Mm -hmm. Yahweh has gotten to the point where we are without an excuse. I used to hear that, but now I see it. There is absolutely no excuse. You can't say I'm not a speaker. I'm not a reader, whatever. He's made everything audible. So all you got to do is sit there and listen. Yahweh is amazing. He's taken away all of our excuses. So now what we want to do is just focus on him at and I'm not saying it because it's easy for me. Trust me. I, The things I deal with, Yahweh knows. And that's who I talk to it about. But sometimes it is hard. You just, you know who it is. And sometimes I can feel myself and I go, okay, Yahweh, help me, help me, help me. Because I'm not focusing on what I should be focusing on. Right. And that's what he wants. He wants you to talk to him. And if you ever get a chance, listen to um, uh, the Dick Davis tape. He talked about, he said, Yahweh just wants to talk to him. He is your father. He wants you to talk to him. I love it when my girls feel like they can talk to me. I, 
I, I try to be there for them. I try not to, you know, they're old enough to where I don't have to be, quote unquote, their mother to the point where I need to point fingers. You need to do, but talk to me. Let me know what's going on with you. The only way I can help you is if you talk to me. So when you talk to Yahshua, it's not that he doesn't know what's going on with you, but he appreciates when you know what's going on with you. And you know, as Dr. Brazil said the other day, you know who can fix it. Like her nephew comes to her if something's not working and go, uh, take that. He didn't do it because he's trying to, whatever he's doing, trying to fix it himself. He took it to the one he knows can fix the problem. So the one that can fix the problem is Yahshua. Is it okay for you to talk to other brethren? Absolutely. I do it. I do what I call venting. I don't, I don't like to complain. Sometimes you just need to get stuff off your chest. That's absolutely okay and in order. Because what Yahweh will do is give that brother in the words to say to you to soothe you. So that's okay. You don't keep doing it because eventually Yahweh going to go, okay, wait a minute. Are you looking for them for an answer or are you looking for me to give you an answer? And Yahweh knows the difference. Even if you think he don't know, he knows. So all that to say is just, you know, remember, read that scripture one more time for me, Dr. Uh, Brown. Second Thessalonians 1 and 7. And mm -hmm. to you who are troubled, rest with us mm -hmm. when Yahshua the Messiah shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So Yahshua is the rest that we're looking for. Yahshua is the rest. Okay, go ahead and uh, read next, uh, Dr. Lewis. All right. What we are actually waiting for is the instant revelation of Yahshua from heaven. Mm -hmm. At that moment, either the son of righteousness will be revealed in us or the son of perdition. First mm -hmm. Corinthians 15, 51, 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Yes, that's a scripture. I swear every funeral, even every Christian funeral I go to, they read that. And, uh, you know, they have no idea what that what that's about. But that um, is the end of that portion. But what I wanted to show is um, so here this is the uh, the Sistine Chapel. And this is uh, painted by Michelangelo, of course, and it's called the Last Judgment. So once again, this is here's a, another Christian concept of this battle of Armageddon. And as you can see, you know, you have people fighting and angels, you know, angels fighting with men and people down here on earth. You have, you know, people on crosses everywhere. There's a cross here, a cross there, a cross over here. And this is their concept of what this battle of Armageddon is gonna be, you know, worldwide. This is, this is the things that's gonna happen and people are just, you know, the, all of this chaos, that's what they see not understanding that the chaos that's taking place is now, you know, this, this converting of the minds and the souls of men, this buying and selling of the souls of men by the satanic spirit is happening now. It's not this futuristic event that they all want to believe that it is. And I think, so I was trying to look up and see what it is. That's why you see this blank space here. I was going to have it, but I didn't have time. I think this is supposed to be Mary and Jesus, you know, because remember, if you want salvation, you got to pray to Mary, not to Jesus. And I still ain't figured that one out. I mean, she's a woman born of a woman, you know, born of flesh and blood. But anyway, the, the Immaculate Conception, I don't know what that's about. 
Um, but here, so um, uh, a few years ago, maybe more than a few years ago, Dr. Daniel Anwar did a um, discourse on these four um, concepts of the millennials and what it means. And it was a beautiful lecture. I can't find it because it was so far back, but if I do, I'll make sure to share it. So there out in the world, there are four different views of the end times. You have a millennialism and that's you know, it's not literal, it's open, visible, it's a thousand year reign of Christ on earth. That's kind of what the Jehovah Witnesses talked about, right? You have this post-millennialism, that's the ever-expanding progress of the gospel until the world becomes markedly Christian, then Christ returns. I don't know about you, but I think it's been Christian for a long time, so-called Christian. Even people that don't, I don't call themselves Christian, know who the Christian God is, and that's Jesus. So, you know, that's the post-millennialism. The historic premillennialism is that Christ will return physically and visibly to usher in the millennial reign. So once again, this is Christ coming in a physical body to do this, you know, whole thing on earth. And now, you know, it's going to reign a thousand years. And dispensationalism is the millennial reign of Christ will begin after his return. And then at the end of that distinct seven-year probation known as the tribulation, that's a little bit what the Jehovah Witnesses had in there. So um, though this here is also here, and this just shows you. So remember, this is, you know, Christ that died on the cross. And this, when you see after the cross, think of a number line you learned in, in school. So this after is the future. So here is the post-tribulation pre-millennium. This is uh, this one here where, you know, it's going to be a second coming. Here's the tribulation and there's going to be a second coming. Then a thousand years will be there. And then there's the last judgment. So then that's after this thousand year reign, uh, you know, after you've been tortured even some more, then there's going to be a last judgment. That's the post-tribulation premillennialism. This is the pre-tribulation pre dispensational premillennialism. I mean, it's just crazy. So here is, okay. Second coming of the church, the rapture, that's here. Then you're going to deal with some tribulation. Then there's a second coming with the church. Then a millennialism, then a last judgment. I mean, torture, torture, torture. They just, you know, it just going to keep torturing you. And then you have the post-millennialism where, you know, you got Jesus died. And then here you see there's no distinction of when the millennium will come. But then there's that thousand years and it's the second and the last judgment. Oops, I mean, move that second and last judgment. Right. And so then you have the fourth, which is the amillennialism, which is, is symbolic. So as you can see here, it started not too soon after the death of the Messiah. And it moves here to the second coming or the last judgment. But as you can see, there's a little bit of space there. So with them, they believe, OK, this symbolic. Uh, millennialism is going to start. But um, after that time, there's going to be a little bit of time. I think that was uh, the part in the um, in the Jehovah Witness where they say, you know, that that's going to be that trial period. So you've already been tortured. You look here, this long period of time you've been tortured. Then you got to endure a little bit more torture of, okay, now um, how are we going to deal with this? Um, you know, what else do I have to deal with to show that I'm justified? And then you have the second coming and the last judgment. So you got that, that symbolic millennialism. It's all there, right? And there's that little bit of time, which is the last judgment. 
and then the second coming of Jesus. I don't know in that last judgment if Jesus is judging, if Mary is judging. I don't know. I just know somebody's going to be judging. You've already been tortured for a thousand plus years and they're going to torture you some more with this last judgment. And you made it through the first judgment, but then you don't make it through the second judgment. I mean, just <laughs> it's just amazing to me. But this is the concept of man. These concepts equal and are equivalent to the concepts and the gods that the children of Israel had down in Egypt. Uh, the Egyptians had. There was a guy for everything. Everything was, um, everything was worshipped. Er, anything you could think of, you could just worship it. That's where we're at now. Um, people are worshipped. Things are worshipped. You know, money, status, whatever. All that's worshipped, and. The world is not seeing that this has nothing to do with your saving of your soul. A lot of people know it, but because they don't see, they don't have any hope. I'll put it like that. Because they don't have any hope, then they don't think, then they think, okay, you know what, whatever, I'm going to do whatever I want because this is not, um, you know, um, I don't have any hope. I'm not going to be saved. I'm wretched or whatever. So they think, you know, just let me do what I want. Yahweh is not a Yahweh is not an Elohim of confusion. He gave us what we needed. He continues to give us what we need, even now with us dealing with this whole thing with headquarters. Yahweh showed me it was so beautiful. I was coming back from taking a test today. And he said, Do you know when I said through Dr. Kinley that I've given you everything you need? Do you know I meant that? I meant it where you now have these audio tapes. Those tapes were always there. They've just been revealed to us. I've given you YouTube where you can sit and watch any class. I've given you transcripts. I've given you pamphlets. You don't need so-called a head over you. I am the head. I am the one that you should be following. Not them, not anybody else. I gave you everything you needed to operate and to keep this gospel going. And I am so grateful for that. I'm so appreciative of that. Yahweh is a merciful Elohim. Um, it's a lot that we're dealing with. We acknowledge that. We know that. Um, we are not trying to say that uh, we're not minimizing what anybody is um, dealing with. But what we are trying to let you know is that Yahweh understands. Yahweh knows what you're going through. And what you're going through is not uncommon to man. I don't care how it is, how much, how tragic it is, Yahweh knows. Give it to him, lean on him. And I'm telling you, he will reward you for it. His peace is peace beyond measure. It's nothing that we can buy. It's nothing that we can do. We can't be humble enough or pious enough or holy enough or righteous enough to deserve this. It was by his pure grace that he gave this to us. So with that, once again, I am so appreciative that Yahweh allows me to do these because I get more out of it than what I give. Trust me, I do. Yahweh shows me things every day. And I appreciate him for that. And I love you all. And I just say, please continue to come because we do appreciate the love and support that we get.
from the brethren. We really do. And with that, if you got anything out of it, give your honor and glory and praise to Yahshua. And I'll turn it back over to the moderator. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Hamilton, for that beautiful dissertation. And it is an honor and a pleasure to call on for our next speaker, Dr. Kathy Hughes. Dr. Hughes? I apologize for coming in late. We thought it was at seven. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's an honor and a privilege always to have anything to say about my great creator. And I really appreciated the last speaker breaking down the Jehovah Witnesses. Wow, what a confusing religion. And how carnal, you know. And you can say the same thing for Roman Catholics and Roman right. Catholicism and um, Judaism and the Eastern philosophies. They're all wrong. When Dr. Kinley got this vision and revelation, he told us the whole world is wrong in the way they're going about to worship the creator. And he proved it. That's the beautiful thing of it, is he proved the truth. Once you prove the truth, everything falls away that isn't truth. The truth exposes the lie. In John 8, 32, Yahshua said, and you shall know the truth and it shall make you free. Free from what? Free from the devil right. and the lies and deception and confusion. We are down at the end of the age. Can I see the ages chart, please? You sure can. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, does this go till 830? Uh, yes. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, like like it was already talked about, there are three ages in the realm of time, the age from Adam and Eve dying in their conscience or their souls to the flood, to Noah and the flood. And at the end of the age, Noah was told to go preach to the world Yahweh's way and to come and get in the ark and they will be saved at the end of this age. It says in Genesis 6, 5, the thoughts and imaginations of men's hearts were only evil continually. Mm -hmm. Now we know in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, he's declared the end from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now down here at the end of this age, what do you expect it to be like? Mm -hmm. It's going to be horrible. And in Matthew 24, 22, it was already quoted. There, there's, it, it's going to be worse than it ever has ever. Mm -hmm. And unless he cut time short, even the very elect would be lost. But he's not going to do that. He's not losing his sons. Yahshua okay. the Messiah said he's not losing a one. Not one that the father has given him. The only one lost is the son of perdition and his demons because they won't know Yahweh. They don't want to know Yahweh. Mm -hmm. But we are down here to an at the end of an age. And I would just write, like to run a quick line about how this creation is going to go out because we are nearing the end of this age. We're already in the judgment. Mm -hmm. 
your soul is either saved or lost right here and now. Wherever your soul is at, by the time this universal revelation of Yahshua happens, that's where you're going to be for eternity. Mm-hmm. Yahweh loves you. Yahweh's yeah. real. He's our creator. He wants you to know him. And he wants to save your soul. That's his whole purpose. His purpose mm-hmm. is salvation of the soul, not the body. Not the physical body. First Corinthians 15, 50. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But mm-hmm. I just want to show you how this. Yahshua said in John 5, 39. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me. And then he goes on to say. Moses wrote of me. And if you want to know me. Go back to Moses. So we go back to Moses. Can I have the Moses mm-hmm. chart? You sure can. Thank you. Mm-hmm. this is going to be fast because i only have a few minutes so please forgive me if i go too fast and <laughs> write down the scriptures if you yep. can mm-hmm. okay now yashua said go back to moses because that's where yahweh elohim revealed his whole purpose pattern and plan to moses in a vision mm-hmm. up in mount sinai after he led the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt and through after all those plagues poured out upon Pharaoh and destroying Pharaoh and his host, the children of Israel, by the blood of the lamb, escaped mm-hmm. Egypt, coming through the Red Sea and led of the cloud or led of the spirit. And and they came to the mount and they Moses gets called all the way up into this mount. And there's a fiery cloud that's leading the children of Israel as they're coming out of Egypt at night. Mm -hmm. And it's a regular cloud by day. But this fiery cloud at night, it hovered over Mount Sinai when Yahweh spoke the Ten Commandments in. Mm -hmm. This creation, when Moses goes up uh, for his uh, second trip, he sees Yahweh Elohim break himself down by a pattern and make the whole creation. This is not when he made the creation and it didn't take him six days to make the world. The creation was made in eternity and he set up a six day sequence to show Moses how the creation is to show divine chronology. Come on back to class. We don't have time to get into it, but we can. Okay. So now when Moses is up here seeing the vision of the creation, He's seeing it come in in a cloud of fire. Is he not? Well, the end is declared from the beginning. If the creation comes in in fire, how's it going to go out? Uh It's got to go out by fire. And if you take a look at the time of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, in in Genesis, I think it's around the 19th verse, Yahweh rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah for their evil deeds. Mm-hmm. And Cain had his religion, too, before Noah. And that was set up a lot like the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Cain built a, a, a city for his son Enoch, and they had a whole religion. Anyways, I want to show you how the end is going out by fire. Did you know when the children of Israel got up in Canaan land? They destroyed Jericho, okay? And you know how they destroyed it? 
by fire. Jericho was one of the oldest cities known to man. And it was great walled and it was a mighty structure and Yahweh brought it down by fire. See, the end of, of the tribes in Canaan's land, Jericho went out by fire. Mm. You're gonna find the children of Israel down in Egypt. I already talked about this, but I wanna get a witness to this fiery cloud. And I want Revelation 15, one to three. Um, this cloud was a fiery cloud and the children of Israel were following Moses who led them. He lifted his rod and the Red Sea opened and the fiery cloud led the children of Israel through, to and through the Red Sea. And Pharaoh starts going in, chasing after them. <laughs> he wants to, you know, he wants vengeance. They were his slaves and now he has no free labor anymore. And he is mad that he just lost all his slaves. But you're gonna see that when the children of Israel were baptized in the Red Sea, mm -hmm. see there was that fiery cloud mm -hmm. and it was a cloud of fire to the Israelites, but it was a cloud of darkness to the Egyptians. And you can read that in Genesis or in Exodus, the 14th chapter. Just write these scriptures down. Mm -hmm. So you have Pharaoh, the greatest man in the world promoting idolatry. <laughs> what a type of Satan, you know? Mm -hmm. His world was totally evil. He enslaved people, he killed people. Well, he's a liar and a murderer. He said, who is Yahweh? I don't know, Yahweh. Like he's something so great, you know? And he said, uh, okay, I'll let your people go. Oh, no, I won't. Okay, I'll let your people go. No, I won't. He's a liar. Mm -hmm. Pharaoh and his hosts were a type of Satan and his demons. And they chased in after the children of Israel. And they went into this fiery cloud. It was dark to them, but it's a fiery cloud. And Yahweh caused the Red Sea to go down on Pharaoh and his host so that it is, it is like a lake or a sea. We're at the Red Sea. This is water, mm -hmm. lake. This is like a lake of fire. Mm -hmm. And Pharaoh and his host got hung up. They drowned in the lake of fire they ended up in the lake that's where that mystery of iniquity is ending up is in the lake mm -hmm. and just like uh king nebuchadnezzar threw meshach shadrach and abednego in the fiery furnace yahweh elohim protected them brought them out but the ones who threw them in the evil people they were destroyed by that fire and you can find it all the way down through the book in Isaiah, the 10th chapter. Well, actually, let's just get, go ahead and get me the verse I wanted. Revelations, fit, Revelation 15 and 1. Uh-huh. And I saw another sign in heaven. One, one second, one second. I'm sorry to interrupt you. The previous mm -hmm. speaker just talked about how that um, everything is a repeat. John is looking back to Moses. What's written in Revelation has everything to do with what's back in the law, Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the prophets. It's a repeat. Okay, go ahead with Revelation 
15. One, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues. Why but seven last plagues? Well, because the first three plagues hit the Jews and the Gentiles. The first three plagues hit the Hebrews too. But the last seven was filled up the wrath of Yahweh. And that was poured on Pharaoh and his host only. Israel was in a protective place called Goshen, which means place of the temple of the sun. <laughs> Anyways, you had Pharaoh and his host drown in the Red Sea in a type right here in your migratory pattern. And that's revelation. We're looking all the way back to Exodus and to Genesis. See, Exodus really was the first book of your Bible. Genesis is a result of Moses's vision. Not all of it, but I can't explain that to you. You have to come back. There's just so much to share. We've been doing this for our whole lives, folks, and we don't know it all. Yahweh, by his great mercy and grace, has given us this great gospel to show us that he loves us. It's a love story. He came from pure spirit. He came down and took on shape and form and created a creation by a pattern so we could know him. Then he manifests in the flesh as Yahshua the Messiah and died for our sins. And he fulfilled everything that was written of him in the law and the prophets. And he fulfilled that old covenant of works to earn your righteousness so that there are none righteous. He proved that. But Yahshua proved that he was Elohim in a body by fulfilling the law and the prophets. But I want you to see that the word was made flesh. See here. And I, I was just looking at the, uh, go back to Revelation 15. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of Yahweh. That's what Satan and his host, through Pharaoh and his host, got. They got the wrath of Yahweh. Go ahead. Two. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. What are and they looking at? If you didn't know about the Exodus, right. what are That's you right. looking at? It's, it's subject right. to any interpretation. <laughs> and in 2 right. Peter 1.20, it says the Bible isn't for your interpretation. I paraphrase that, but it's not mm -hmm. for your private interpretation. Yahweh has a purpose, pattern, and plan that is predestined from start to finish, and you ain't changing it. And it's only by grace that we are saved. None of us had anything to offer the creator. We're, none of us were righteous. We were all ignorant. We were all deceived by Satan. In Revelation 12, 9, he deceived the whole world. Yeah, well, he deceived us too. Just like he got Sister Eve in the Garden of Eden. Eve represents the mother of all living. She represents the creatures. But back to the Revelation. Go ahead. Keep going. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. The Red Sea is a witness to the lake of fire. Go ahead. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark 
and over the number of his name. And guess and what? Six, six, six. There were 600 chariots, 600 horses, and 600 soldiers that drown in the Red Sea. I got the five-minute bell. Thank you. The name of the beast, the number of his name, is showing forth that the mystery of iniquity was cast into the lake at the Red Sea. That's a type. This creation is going out by fire, folks. Uh, in Matthew, uh, I'll get it because we're right on the clock. In Matthew, uh, uh, let me see where it is. I can't remember where it is. Matthew. Huh. What are you looking for? Uh, I, I can't even remember that. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, this creation is going out by fire. And it says in, I think it's Matthew 24, 40, Matthew 24, 41. That's it. Sometimes my brain fails me. Matthew 24. Oh, no, that's not it. That's, that's not it either. No, it, it says, oh, here it is. 41. And it's Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And you'll find in the prophets, in Isaiah 64, he says he's going to take it out by fire. In Isaiah, the 10th chapter, he correlated men to trees, and he says the trees will be burned up except a few. But the mystery of iniquity is going to be consumed. And at the end of this age, can I have the elementary chart real quick? Because I'm almost done. At the end of this age, folks, that we're down here at the, the present kingdom age, this age is going out by fire. In 2 Peter, the third chapter, the eighth verse, know this. That Yahweh is going to take this creation out by fire. And he talks about one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. And we talked about Moses' six days of his vision to see the Genesis correlating to divine chronology. One day is a thousand years, six days is six thousand years. We're at the end of the six thousand years and we're getting ready to make a Passover. See, and if Yahshua the Messiah... Through the preaching of the gospel, we came in here dead, just like Israel was carnal and dead. And Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death. And through the preaching of the gospel, he is giving us his spirit and cleaning up our heart and mind so that we are now a son of him. We are now a Yahshuan. We're no longer a carnal mind. We're a spiritual mind. And we now worship Yahweh in spirit and in truth. Now we're right down here at the end of this age and it's only Yahshua in you that's going to take you from this age to the next age in righteousness, peace and joy and immortal glory. We have a lot to look forward to. In 1 John 3, what manner of love is this that the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of Yahweh and we don't know what we're gonna appear like but when he appears, we're gonna look just like him. See, this creation is going out by fire. And you can even see it right now. 
The judgment's going on right now. Armageddon's going on right now because Yahshua's taking out our old man, the old state of our soul that was in carnality and iniquity. He's taking that out by the fire of the gospel. Did you know in Jeremiah 23, 29, he says, is not my word like fire? Oh, yeah. We're being, that iniquity is being burned up within us when we come into class. And we're being cleaned up. Yahshua is cleaning us up from the inside out. And he is our only, Colossians 127. He, Yahshua the Messiah in us, is our only hope of glory to go on into the next stage and inherit immortal, an immortal glorified body and an immortal creation where there is only righteousness, peace, and joy, no devil, no tears, no memory of what was to pass, just that you're in Yahshua, he loves you, and you're part of his body. That This creation's going out by fire, folks, and it's going to shortly come to pass. Do not risk your soul to end up with the devil. The devil and his imps are going to end up in the lake. And like That's it right. was already said, misery loves company. He wants That's to right. take you with him. Yahshua is not going to let him. He let us have this great gospel to prove the truth with witnesses. We know there's a death, burial, resurrection all mm -hmm. the way down through. And we've been resurrected from the dead and we're passing over into the next stage because Yahshua in us is our only hope of that glorification. I That's hope right. you got something out of it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you for that beautiful testimony, Dr. Hughes. And that brings the conclusion to our lecture this evening. Uh, be, I want to make one announcement before we conclude. Uh, due to the Lansing Seminar this uh, weekend, um, we will not stream or have um, a Zoom class for the Southfield class um, on Sunday. Um, Lansing will be streaming their lecture. Um, and just not to conflict, um, we will cancel Zoom for Southfield this Sunday, which will be November the 6th. Um, we will send that out via email as well. We hold classes um, Sunday, excuse me, Southfield classes via Zoom on Sunday from 11.30 to 1.30. In person is 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And on Tuesday and Thursday via Zoom from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Once again, we'd like to thank all of our visiting brethren and our members for studying with us tonight. And we sincerely hope that you enjoyed the le lecture, excuse me. At this time, can we all rise in our hearts and mind for doxology? Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our savior through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time now and ever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.